0: trust the movement, I negate the chaos, uplift the negative, I'll show up at the table again, and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio, conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Jonathan Beard and David Harewood, organizers with the Columbus Police Accountability Project to provide information for empowered citizens to learn more about how to exercise our collective power to ensure police accountability. Finally, John Beard's life goal is to help make the world a better place. Now works in the field of career technical education after working for 22 years in the community-led redevelopment of distressed neighborhoods. He has helped lead multiple citizen ballot initiatives to reform Columbus City Council and regulate campaign contributions, coached and then ran a youth baseball league and volunteered with many social welfare welfare associations in his 30 years in Columbus. David S. Harewood is an advocate and artist who spent the last decade in Columbus to give voice to the voiceless and help shorten the long arc of history toward justice with every project and campaign. Having forged alliances and friendships with multiple organizations addressing and victims of police abuse, he joined with the Columbus Police Accountability Project as a way to to provide protection for and a voice to those long afraid to speak out about the wrongs committed against them in the name of law and justice, law and order. This is from the Columbus Police Accountability website. We are a collection of African-American community leaders and involved citizens and our allies who are calling for the federal protection from a rogue division of police that is a pattern and practice of violating our community's rights under the Constitution of the United States of America and the country's various federally ensured civil rights. We seek federal protection because for the past decades, city political leadership has failed in that task. We will support our call for federal oversight by providing collecting and The testimony of Columbus residents who have experienced such lawless policing since the Department of Justice last investigated Columbus in 1998. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio again, Jonathan Beard and David Harewood.
1: Thank you, you, Carolyn. It's good to be here. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks.
0: Columbus is a dangerous city. The Columbus Division of Police's violence and killing of our Black and people of color citizens is next to that of New York City and Chicago. What is going on in Columbus with the division of police? Let's start with you, Jonathan.
2: Yeah, so Carolyn, um, we appreciate you bring, bring us forward. We've got a racist division of police and has been for decades and decades and decades. Um, we're determined to do something about this with the um, all the national attention put on by the George Floyd uh, murder and protest. And so on April 28th, um, through attorney Sean Walton, we reached out to the United States Department of Justice to ask for a pattern of practice investigation of Columbus police. To again, have the Department of Justice determine that they are engaged in unlawful policing as they did back in 1998. In 1998, um, we were sold, or well, it ended up being 2001, 2002, we were sold out by our political leadership who instead of agreeing to a consent decree that would have provided for federal oversight under a federal court, entered into a settlement agreement with the one year compliance timeframe. And they agreed to four or five different measures of, of police reform. Uh, what I would say is they were unfaithfully, unfaithfully executed. The city leadership's goal was to get the Department of Justice out of their hair, because it was embarrassing to Columbus on national scale. And um, the, the limited reforms that they did agree to were abandoned rapidly. So essentially we're in a situation similar to the South in reconstruction where we as a grieved citizens are asking for federal protection from our um, local elected officials who will not preserve our rights under the constitution and under the civil rights laws of this nation.
0: David, what in your mind is going on right now relating to this project?
1: I think that, um, so I noticed the pattern when I began, and by the way, thank you for bringing us on again. I noticed the patterns from the time that I began working deeply in Ohio, in Ohio and Columbus uh, politics and social justice work, starting in 2013. That about every three months or so, there was a there was a news article that um, the police had killed or injured. Um, a kid, it was usually a Black kid, it was usually involving, um, you know, famous and infamously they're usually running away. Um, and when I began with um, People's Justice Project the following year, that process continued. What I've come to find out in working with organizations like cpep from what we have seen and from what um, organizations like the Columbus 76 Project are working on that It's not just an incidental pattern of violence. It's a consistent one that can date back as far as to 1970 when a young man named Fred Cruz was killed in similar circumstances. So the police do this on a longer um, path um, in Columbus than I had imagined. In At the beginning of the uprising, I got a couple of phone calls to go out. Right, because I had been with all of these different city organizations. And I noticed the police, when they didn't know what their job was supposed to be, were always the aggressors in the in the situations. And so because I've seen the the thousand cuts and the most recent cuts, I thought it was important to join with an organization like the CPAP, so that we could actually get all of this document. What do I think is going on? I think that there are two wars happening at once, and no one knows uh, how to solve either of them, and that's why we're asking for the Department of Justice, as flawed as they may be, to at least add an actual investigation, real oversight, because obviously we... The Columbus Police Department, the Columbus City Council, the Mayor's Office have not been able to do this on
0: their own. Um, Another several cities have appealed to the um, Department of Justice, and and which cities are they?
2: Uh, Detroit has. Have- well, off the top, but I know Minneapolis um, is engaged. I think Louisville. Those are the two that spring to the top of my mind, but I think there are about a dozen that have um, that have recently asked for. Um, such investigations or where the Department of Justice has been interested in initiating them
1: independently. Yeah, I think AG Garland announced for Louisville and and Minneapolis, but there are multiple cities that are under consent decrees from years past, too.
0: Okay, so what is your goal and how are you going to reach this goal? So
2: our goal right now is to, we sent a letter on April 28th to um, Attorney General Merrick Garland and copied the other folks in the, in the department, asking them to initiate a pattern or practice investigation. Right now, um, David and I are leading the effort on behalf of the Columbus Police Accountability Project, which we call CPAP for short, um, to gather testimony in support of our request for, um, for federal assistance. So the letter that we sent through attorney Sean Walton was very thoroughly documented with um, you know, press clippings and so forth and links to press up. And what we're doing now is collecting direct testimony in support of that, um, to, again, um, to make our case to the department of justice that this is where you need to be, you know, with all the calls across the country, you know, we've got serious issues here. This is not new. It's not sporadic. As David was saying, it's, it's, it's a pattern. It's gone on decades. It hasn't abated our city leadership isn't doing anything about it. And, you know, right now, um, Genther the day before we announced our request, and we hadn't been private about it. He uh, reached out to the Department of Justice. <laughs> yeah, for that.
1: Asking, <laughs> Asking for, for um, a review of Yeah, best a review of, of policies and procedures, and yeah. Right, and, uh, it's the okay. same sort of shell game the city plays. All the time. Um, with everything. They find out that, that there's actually a citizen-led actual reform mo- Measure being put forth, and either they or the state say, "Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna quash that, but we're gonna ask for the smaller version of it, okay. and then pretend that that's uh, uh, a <laughs> that that's an actual solution." They did that for issue one for the state, and they they've done it for city council, and they're trying to do it here. The difference is doing it on a policing measure. We know we know how deeply. And badly,
2: this police department has behaved. Yeah. So they're asking, they sent in their um, request in for what's called the, to what's called the cops division of, department of justice community oriented policing and services. And instead he said, they asked for a review of policies and procedures. Now they just spent $430,000 with matrix consulting group, getting the same doggone thing within the last 18 months. Right. They don't need this. And, and, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous that they're even asking for it. And we're telling them um, department of justice, that's not what we need. Um, you know, we need a real investigation and oversight. And again, you know, the things that catch the news are the police shootings and killings of civilians. Civilians, and this David said, people, oftentimes people running away. Um, our testimony is not limited to those, you know, you don't have to have a hashtag for your name to um, have your case heard by us. So there's a whole range of things that happen of unconstitutional policing that happened prior to that unlawful stops, unlawful seizures, um, um, you know, unlawful use of force with the protests last summer, certainly First Amendment um, pieces which are violations of you know the people's right to freely assemble and speech and petition their government for redress. So they are a whole gamut of things. And what we're really doing is asking anybody who has been a victim of what they believe to be unlawful or unconstitutional or abusive policing to come to us, tell us their story. We turn it around, we record them, uh, turn it around into an affidavit format and um, go to them so they can sign up, swear and sign to the truth of the affidavit. We're patching those and we're submitting them to the Department of Justice. And again, it doesn't have to be a police murder, um, but any involved policing, you know, um, we did one for my wife who was um, stopped and arrested essentially for a traffic violation. The police have what they call um, contempt of cop, okay? it's basically any cop that has a bad day um, can arrest folks for what they've called in the past, the Holy Trinity, which are three charges they use that are so nebulous that they can arrest folks and, and justify it. So it's things like obstruction of official business, um, disorderly conduct. And right now the third one is slipping me, but something similar to that, which is just the police's word against the citizen's word. It's illegal, it's unlawful. And that needs to stop And that. And the worst part about that is we have an internal affairs bureau that does not investigate these things. Does, you know, so police or uh, citizens make complaints and the internal investigation bureau whitewashes a complaint, always in favor of the officer. So, you know, if, if there's no internal accountability within the Division of Police, there needs to be external accountability. And that's what we're aiming to provide.
0: David, have you found a lot of people have stepped up to do these um, testimonies on videotape?
1: I've been most surprised by the scope of the people who have been willing to um, who have been willing to talk to us to tell us their stories, it, it, there were there were, and and there are recurring themes and recurring dates. But what has surprised me most is that some people are understanding that these problems are egregious right they're talking about things like father's day july 18th uh which was the day of the anti-mask rally before that there were arrests made by police of of folks who were uh not with the anti-mask folks um and then they were polite. And then, of course, Father's Day was awful. But there are even stories of questionable stops that we've known all about. There are, there have been some, some linkages across the state that have been, in fact, quite disturbing that aren't salacious or, or, or spectacular on the surface. Um, but the wide array of things that we've already gotten have been um, it's daunting, absolutely daunting. What what I think that there may be some confusion about, however, is that a lot of times we take the general idea of police harassment as a matter of course. Oh, I got stopped in Bexley because, well, this is the time to talk about these things, right? Because they they add up. There are people from last summer who um, had tons of, and they can't talk about them, they've, they've had tons of felony charges placed against them essentially for making a police officer angry or irritating them for something that they said on a megaphone the day before. Things like this do not make national news because no one dies. But when you have someone who's 19, being charged with a felony for essentially calling a cop out of his name. These, these sorts of things cause major, life alteringly awful problems, and guess what, three quarters of them are black folks. So. There, there are there are scales to these things, and that that has been what has struck me about the stories that we have gotten thus far. That even they're realizing, no, I'm still alive, but this was egregious and.
2: And a lot of so the stuff. Dylan, mm-hmm. um, just to be clear, we are absolutely honored by the fact that people will come and tell us their most painful moments. I mean, it's, it's we we truly honor and appreciate the trust. One hundred percent. That. Um, what we do when we take the, um, the sessions is for our records so that we can then transcribe into affidavit form. so we're, you know, getting the facts that they present to us right. We've, we put in an affidavit, they look at it, they review it, they either edit it or tell us to edit it, and um, when they're happy that this is their voice, then they sign it. Um, you know, I'll tell you, it's, um, you know, we hear, we're here, as David said, we're hearing all these stories across the gamut from people who's, um, who say, you know, I'm black and, you know, my, my kid was murdered and police didn't even investigate to, um, um, you know, to these petty ante, you know, pissant arrests, and, you know, stops people saying, you know, if you walk in the hilltop, three black men walking together, you're going to get stopped and you're going to get frisked. Um, to, you know, David talked about the protest from last summer, where it was white allies um, in support of this, who were having their first amendments rights um, violated and who were being um, subject to unlawful uses of force by being indiscriminately tear gassed and the screaming, shot with wooden bullets and so forth. And you know, the, you sit there as a um, as somebody listening to this testimony, and sometimes there sometimes there's tears in their eyes. Sometimes there's rage that you're feeling. But you know, I'll tell you what: there are some good-ass people out there who really you know stood up for racial justice, were standing up against a very oppressive um, policing force. And you know, I agree 100 percent with David. After kind of after seeing things happen for so long you do get a little bit numb to it and start to think, well, that's just the way it is. Well, that's not just the way it should be. And that's not just the way the constitution is written or the laws of this land are written. Right. And, and that speaks to the bravery of, of the people who
1: have spoken to us exactly. so far
0: and the, me, and the active, active involvement of what they have. Sorry, David. Um, it's Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio. And I'm talking with John Jonathan Beard and David Harewood with the Columbus police accountability project and we're talking about their efforts and um, goals to um, bring justice um, to Columbus, Ohio and via the Department of Justice. That's what I was concerned about, the this information getting out to the wrong hands and these folks being vulnerable. How are you protecting these folks?
2: First of all, by not talking about their cases and, and specific cases. Right. One of the things is there are lawsuits ongoing and there are um, um, criminal charges still outstanding from last summer, even And what we're finding is the city attorney's office is very aggressive about, um, about, uh, about threatening people threatening people's jobs, saying, I'll throw a riding charge at you. You'll never work in the, in your profession again, um, to try to get people to, turn, I don't know what they're trying to do to turn on the leadership of what was a very, you know, broad grassroots, uh, movement. So one of the things is we can't talk about too many specific cases because, you know, that gins up the, the threat of retaliation against people. And our number one criteria is people place a trust in us. And we're going to trust and we're going to keep them safe. Um, so we go through all sorts of disclosures with them about how and when the testimony will be used, who was given to. So we've got all this, we've got explosive testimony right now, we're not listening to local media, because local media is not our intended audience for this. The Department of Justice is our intended audience for it. Right.
1: But
2: so we're going to give it to investigators at the Department of Justice. And we tell people at some point police invest or federal investigators or attorneys may get in touch with you at that point, you know, you no longer have a reasonable expectation of privacy. And, you know, we have folks agree to, you know, those types of conditions before we take their testimony. So everything's, you know, our number one priority is to keep folks safe and to not subject them to additional police
1: harassment, just because
2: they're telling our story. Right. One
1: it really another. Another it's, thing to keep in mind too, is that what we what we collect goes to the Justice Department, never through local or statewide. So we're going from here to Washington. That's right. So any, any fear for recrimination by local law enforcement will be circumvented because of that. It will be protected because it's not getting to them at all. Yeah. And
2: one thing's Carolyn, that I think pissed everybody in our group off, is that we did ask city officials for a pledge of non-retaliation against for yeah. merely telling us their stories. And the mayor's office, the city attorney's office, and the president of council would not agree to what is essentially, I mean that's a no-brainer. We put out there, this is an easy win for them to say, we're not gonna retaliate, you know, we're not gonna abuse people's rights even more. And and none of them would even agree. We asked them to put out a public statement to that effect, and they wouldn't agree to that. Um, so again, you know, we are very concerned about the people who give us testimony. We do protect their, protect their privacy, protect their stories.
0: What kind of relationship do you have or connections with the Department of Justice? Is it just as a citizen of Columbus? You're just, have you ever interfaced with them before this group or with another group? Or how, have you heard back from them yet?
2: Yeah, so our attorney, Sean Walton, um, knows the, um, the, the uh, local um, Department of Justice, the Southern District of Ohio. And actually about three weeks ago, um, uh, Vipal Patel, I think Vipal Patel, I think his name is, who's the, uh, certain, who's the um, US Attorney for the Southern District of Ohio, reached out to us and called us in for a meeting with him, him and the top litigators. So we met with um, the four of them and um, got a real good, real good feedback. Um, he shared with us that he shares our concerns. He understands that city also asked for something that he doesn't think is appropriate. That is, there are much deeper problems here. Uh, he told us that the decision is ultimately made in Washington, and encouraged us to, you know, keep reaching out to Washington, keep making sure they know our story, and that if and when Washington makes that decision, you know, he told us about the fact that there's a lot of demand on the times now, on Washington now, and on the new administration, which people have much more conf- confidence in. And um, said if. Washington makes the decision, these are the people that you'll be working with. And basically said, we look forward to work, we want to work with you. Um, And he also indicated he thinks there are problems larger than Columbus, that there are problems in central Ohio as a whole, which we had some testimony that really confirmed that. uh, We had a whistleblower um, who works within multiple divisions of police and um, is associated with police information technology we told us um, IT staff across Central Ohio are routinely ordered to delete, rec- delete records, delete investigations, delete video of traffic stops, delete audio, um, delete police um, um, drug evidence or change drug evidence, um, all sorts of um, um, things that the civilian staff of the police are ordered to do. And um, the testimony was, was under threat. And you know, so there, there are issues out there I mean, we've got got road policing going on here.
0: Will the um, Department of Justice deal via the Columbus Division of Police, the Fraternal Order of Police or the City Council? How will they, how does their power work?
2: I'm not exactly sure. At some point, it's a government on government um, um, interaction. They essentially, if they find there is, they do an investigation and you know, the. City doesn't necessarily have to agree to that. If the Department of Justice finds out that there is a pattern of practice under federal law, they can sue the city of police. And the idea is there, every other city is, after being, or prior to being sued, they enter in what is called a consent decree, which puts the um, city under federal court supervision for a period of time. Back in 1998, City of Columbus under uh, then Mayor Coleman and then City Attorney Janet Jackson, would not enter into a consent decree. Instead, they waited until, um, I think it was uh, George Herbert Walker Bush became president. And in 2001, John Ashcroft was the attorney general. John Ashcroft did not, like, did not like the consent decrees. And so they had two parties that were very much predisposed to let's settle this amicably. And so they settled the amic- settlement agreement amicably. Yeah. <laughs> no I'm in one trying to say. Yeah. And, um, and So then there was one year of oversight and then the city was free to abandon any of the so-called reforms that they had agreed to.
0: Okay, there's three minutes left. What are your asks? What do you see that needs to be done right away? And how will you know you've won that ask?
2: So anybody that has a story to tell about unlawful um, policing where they think they've been abused, uh, please get in touch with us. We've got a website and we've got a Facebook page. So our website is c-pap.info that stands for Columbus Police Accountability Project. So c-pap.info. Our Facebook page is Columbus Police Accountability Project, which is I think at CPAP 614 um, so Get in touch with us, tell us your stories, uh, share the information. We right now are setting up because of COVID. We've been spacing interviews at fifteen minutes apart. So you actually register for a time frame. Right now we're doing Saturdays between one and four at eleven twelve East Main Street, which is on the nearest side main and champion. so you'll you'll set a time you'll schedule with us and come in and tell us your story and share that information with your um, others you think might be concerned. Dave, I probably missed something?
1: Uh, no, I think you got it all. I mean, it's 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 uh, important to know that the scale of these things is is important, right? Police misconduct happens in all sorts of ways. And if you think you were cheated by them, then you probably were. So keep in mind, this is a space for that too. That's fine, that's right. yeah.
0: I looked up your website just by typing in Columbus Police Accountability Project, and it came up, your website came up. Good. So folks can find that. So you have submitted the request to the Department of Justice, you are gathering um testimonies and um what is the your goal 3 is to receive and process the testimony of advocates and allies who've experienced p- police abuse during the George Floyd protests and last summers other protests in Columbus policing and submit those as well That's so right. it's a combination yep. of yep. folks that have gotten um just general
2: um
1: one of the
0: right and from then the run
1: up the mill to the extraordinarily egregious. Yeah.
0: yeah. And um, what is because your? We hope, know
1: both of them. What is your
0: hope it? to win from this? What What is your ultimate hope from this work?
2: Ideally, by the end of the summer, the Department of Justice will announce they're going to be investigating police, and that's our time frame to submit those affidavits um, um, sometime in August to the Department of Justice, and um, you know really get their attention focused on Columbus where it needs to be. They'll come in, investigate, and hopefully put us under court order, uh, court supervision of our police department.
0: And then we'll see what happens, right? Hopefully, and, um,
1: they s- stop abusing and murdering people. Just understand, they've already found
2: a pattern of practice of bad policing that was back in nineteen ninety-eight. So this is nothing. that was just a continuation of what you know wasn't resolved the last time.
0: Well, this is a very practical and very straightforward and uh, comprehensive. Um, Tactic. I applaud you for staying in staying in this fight and continually. And um, we'll get the word out. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much, thank Carol. I Appreciate
0: thank you so much for us. In addition to our Friday, 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN.org, Grassroot Ohio now airs on Sundays at 2 p.m. at WCRSFM.org, 92.7, 98.3 FM in Columbus and at 4 p.m. on WEJPLP 107.1 FM, Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.